So far in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we have studied the Beatitudes in chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and there we learned of the basic qualities of attitude and character that ought to compose those who are citizens of the kingdom. After that, we went through a passage that has to do with influence, the influence of those very people described in the Beatitudes. And that influence is captured by Jesus' phrases, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Beginning with verse 17 in Matthew 5, Jesus' relation to the law and the prophets and his opposition to the religion of the scribes and the Pharisees. Then we went into Matthew chapter 6. Jesus teaches against the common practices of hypocrites as they engaged in benevolence, prayer, and fasting to be seen by men. This section gives us good and clear instruction about purity of motive and a heart that is directed toward God, not selfish ambitious stage performances for the praise of men. Last time we studied verses 19 through 21 concerning what we value, and the practical conclusion we drew was we ought to value or treasure the things of heaven far above the things of the earth. We ought to trust in God, not in things. Now today, from verse 22 on toward the end of chapter 6, from verse 22 on toward the end of chapter 6, there will be two videos, and this is the first of those two. Matthew 6, 22 through 34. Matthew 6, 22 to 34. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory 
was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sometimes when I study some passage or text in the Bible, I find it helpful to read it over and over several times until I think I've discovered the simple essence of the passage. I sometimes call that the main idea. I use that approach with this passage recently. After my reading of all these verses, I wrote down on the paper where I was taking notes this word, priorities. And I believe you'll agree there's something here about priorities, serving God, not mammon, seeking first the kingdom of God. This passage addresses the matter of priorities. Everything that is from God, about God, in obedience to Christ, written by the Holy Spirit, that's all to take priority or precedence over the ordinary things of this world. But then I read through the passage again, and alongside the word priorities, I wrote down, do not worry. And again, there isn't any doubt. The Lord communicates that message. If you have the English standard version, it says, do not be anxious. But in other translations, in verse 25, 28, 31, 34, do not worry. Well, this prohibition is a part of this text, isn't it? Do not worry. As I direct my loyalty to God, as I trust him deeply, I don't worry about the things of this world. But then I read through the passage again, and this time I saw perspective. Specifically, this teaches a godly, spiritually-minded perspective, as opposed to a worldly, carnally-minded perspective. The illustration Jesus uses about the eye as the lamp of the body, looking at the birds of the field, considering the lilies, seeking the kingdom, perspective. Jesus teaches we ought to have a godly, spiritually-minded perspective, as opposed to a limited, worldly, carnally-minded perspective. Well, that's here. And so when you look at this passage in Matthew 6, from verse 22 all the way to the end of the chapter, you see priorities. There's the prohibition, do not worry, and certainly there is perspective in that direction, not this direction. All these things are taught in this text. And in that mix, these details, 
our relationship to possessions, the sin of covetousness. These things are all in this passage. But what I really want to do is get my hands on the simple essence of the passage. I want to find that one thing. It will involve everything I've mentioned, but I'm in search for, I'm in a quest for that one thing. So I went back again and read Matthew 6, 22 to 34. I still believe priorities and perspectives, I think those things are taught here. <clears throat> and the Lord does say, do not be anxious. This is a warning against covetousness, no doubt. But I settled on this as the simple essence of the text. Trust in God, not in things. Trust in God, not in things. I believe verse 30 in the question expressed by the Lord may help us see the simple essence essence of what this whole paragraph is about. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, this is what we often call an argument from the lesser to the greater. If God does the lesser thing, it is certain he does the greater thing. If God takes care of grass, he can certainly take care of us. The question is, do we believe it? This is what we ought to believe. We need to trust in God, not in things. And this will mean we will order our lives and values based on this faith, and we will listen to the Lord's prohibitions against worry and covetousness. Challenging, isn't it? It seems to me, while there is teaching here about priorities and perspective, and the Lord does forbid worry and covetousness, it's all based on this simple theme, trust in God, not in things. All right. Let's break that down and look at some of the parts now that we observe this theme, let's see how this is developed. In verses 22 and 23, this is an illustration, perhaps unlike common illustrations we might use today. Study this in terms of the contrast between the good eye and the bad eye, and it's about perspective. The good eye represents the perspective that is directed toward the treasures of heaven, and brings light into your life. When you have that heavenly perspective, it brings light into your life. Always looking to God and engaged toward what is spiritual and eternal. Now, what's the other end of that? The bad eye represents the opposite perspective. A mindset or lifestyle that is concentrated on the here and now, the earthly things. And what that perspective does is bring darkness into our lives. Not just darkness, but great darkness. So in verses 22 and 23, this is about the single-minded vision or perspective, what you have your eye on, 
what you have your mind on primarily, valuing heavenly treasure above earthly things. If I trust in God and not in things, I will have the good eye, the right perspective that brings light into my life. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, that's a statement of fact, isn't it? It is a fact we cannot serve two masters any more than we can walk in two different directions at the same time. Mammon is the Aramaic word for riches or wealth comparable to what we might call the almighty dollar. We cannot be fully committed to mammon and also fully committed to God. But we can trust in God, be fully committed to him, and let money and material things have their secondary place in our lives. Trust in God, not in things. I want you to listen now. To this section, and I'm going to read it from the NIV, the New International Version. In Matthew 6, I want to read 19 through 24. 19 through 24. So we get a compact picture of what this is about. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, I have introduced this last part of Matthew chapter 6. In our next class, I'll take us from verse 25 to the end of the chapter. But for now, I want to give us some practical takeaways. Sometimes what we need is clarity so that we don't get off base and go somewhere the passage was not intended to take us. So I want to say to you, this doesn't mean we are not to have anything on earth or that we must reduce the amount of things and money and pay no attention to clothing and shelter. See, here is where we can get off and go in a direction Jesus did not want to take us. This passage is not about the amount of things you have or the flow of income or the amount of income. Remember perspective, trust in God, 
not depending on the things of this world for your wholeness. We may make this mistake. We may come to a passage like this, and perhaps our first thought might be, well, this is for rich people. This is against wealth. No, that's not the point. There is no magical figure or amount, and when you go over that amount, you're covetous, materialistic, and worldly. You've heard me say before, having more than you need is not a sin. Likewise, having just a bare minimum of things does not make anyone righteous. Perhaps we need less. Perhaps we ought to sacrifice more for the good of the Lord's cause or to help legitimate needy. Each of us need to engage in that kind of evaluation ongoing. But the point here is not about how much or how little you have. It is getting your priorities right. It's the heavenly perspective. It's trusting and putting God first. I know a few very wealthy people who are Christians, good people, generous. They put God first. They become very good stewards of what they have. I know people who just get by and they too are Christians and generous and put God first and have become very good stewards of what they have, though it's less than what others have. We need clarity. Number two, we need daily awareness of how fragile material things are. Jesus teaches us that there are moths, rust, destroying what we have in material blessings. And thieves can break in and steal. Things get older and wear out. Sometimes you're a victim of theft. If we have nice things, comfortable living, and money in the bank, we cannot just assume those things will always be with us. Things are never really secure. Turns in the economy can deplete what we have. Unexpected events can diminish what we have. Our bank accounts can be hacked by cyber criminals. Thieves can break in and steal electronically. Our things and our money are not really secure. What is secure? Trust in God. Remember where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number three, divided loyalty is not realistic, not even possible. When you're talking about God in the world, no one can serve two masters. It may be on earth, you can have a couple of part-time jobs and have two employers. But when we talk about the things addressed by Jesus here in Matthew 6, when we're talking about God in the world, no one can serve two masters. I said earlier to us, you cannot walk in two different directions at the same time. I read something the other day from the pen of Paul Earnhardt about the crowded heart. He was writing about the parable of the sower and made the point of how futile it is to grow good seed and bad seed in the same heart. We cannot have all the world offers and all that God offers at the same time like having two different crops growing from the same heart. And then Brother Earnhardt said, a man 
simply could not be a slave to two owners, both demanding total service. The effort would result in satisfying neither master and making the life of the slave who tried it wretched. He would finally be forced by an impossible and intolerable situation to resolve his misery by choosing between them. So, before I sign off, I want you to listen one more time, and then in the next video, I'll get back into this passage from verse 25 on. Listen, please. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Next time, I'll continue here in Matthew 6 at verse 25 through the end of the chapter. And I remind you, these classes are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you.